Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. This is out of Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. Welcome to the Dad in the Trenches podcast. We're right in the middle of a series that is a little bit different than what we normally do, but this is called 40 for 40. This is 40 lessons learned by the age of 40 in the trenches. My name is Aaron. I'm your host here at the Dad the Trenches podcast. I recently turned 40 and am recording just a whole host of life lessons learned and reflections. One, I want to have something for my kids to look back on. Uh, two, I want to point a reference for this milestone. And three, I'm hopeful it's useful and encouraging for those of you listening. Uh, the Lord might meet you in some way, shape, or form in these if you're, you find yourself in the middle of the trenches as well. So this is my heart behind this. I am not perfect. I have had lots of life lessons and lots of uh, correction from the Lord and struggles over the years. I am not perfect. But what I do know is this. I forget, I'm forgetting what lies behind. I'm not dwelling on the past. I'm straining forward to what lies ahead because he has called me upward into these things of Christ Jesus to be more like him, to be more transformed. I hope you find that encouraging. I hope that resonates with you this day. We're going to jump back in here to 40 for 40. We're in round three of a group of 10 more. Bless you this day. If this is encouraging in any way, shape, or form, be sure and share it with another dad in the trenches that could use it. And also, just for our purposes, uh, rate, review, subscribe, do all those things. It really helps. If there's other dads out there looking for biblical resources, challenging things for their life and fatherhood, um, you rate, review, or subscribe. It just helps the algorithms. It pushes uh, dad in the trenches further up in searches. So... Uh, if you would do that for me, rate, review, and subscribe. And we're going to jump over here, moving on for 40 for 40. Number 21, prayer. There are so many things I could say about prayer, um, but let me say this. I don't actually believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of God, and that is why I pray. The God of the Bible is a living God, and He is God. He does what He pleases. So prayer is not some mechanism for a magical incantation that we can just say to get God to do what we want. The reason I approach God in prayer is because it's based in a relationship and not a transaction. Now, that being said, (laughs) I oftentimes uh, crowd out prayer out of my life because I don't see the results that I'm I'm wanting or asking for and I'm not getting 
such immaturity. Um, but ultimately, God really is, is after two things in prayer. He wants His will to be done and for me to partner with Him accordingly in that. And two, He, he wants to change me on the inside through this process in prayer. So if I understand this, I want to be in continual contact with Him to bring about His kingdom, His will, His desires in the situations that are going on. Healing and breakthrough. Uh, praying for the nations. Praying for the lost. Those are all things on His heart. And wants me to bring about those things and to wrestle with those things in prayer. And for me to lay down my will in that. And then two, he wants me to become more like him. So I'll want to set aside my time to spend time with him. Set aside my will for his will. Yes, of course, to pray for the things that are on my heart. But to approach God um, in wanting both his will and praying for those around me. The situations that are dearest to me. And that process is meant is meant to help shape and change me. So it's not about transactions, it's about relationship. His heart in changing me. It's the beautiful thing about prayer. Number 22. There is no such thing as your religion being a quote-unquote private matter. Normally when you hear someone say, oh, your faith is, is a private matter. It's, I believe what I believe, you believe what you believe, our faiths are a private matter. It's normally you hear that during political season, a candidate's being interviewed, questioned about his faith, that sort of thing. This is not meant to be a commentary about politics at all. I simply want to address the idea of faith and private matter um, and how this is actually an unbiblical view that has crept into the church. I'm going to credit um, my friend Israel Wayne who was on the podcast uh, previously. He uses this analogy of a pie. And you think about a pie, you take many slices out of a pie. Um, this is in, think of it in terms of your life. So you have a slice of pie that's your schooling, your, a slice of pie that's your work, a slice of pie that's your family life, your spiritual life, church life, you know, whatever it may be. Well, pick your favorite pie. Apple, blueberry, cherry, depending on what region of, the, of North America you're in, a pecan pie or a pecan pie. <laughs> um, I'll use apple as an example, but um, you take a slice of apple pie, it's work. Okay, well... Ultimately, it's still a piece of apple pie. I take another slice out. What is it, boysenberry? No, it's, it's still apple. If I take out another slice, what do I expect it to be? Apple pie. The analogy is our life, who we are, ultimately, all belongs to God. And per the gospel and the message of what God is trying to tell us is He has come and He is a part of our life. He wants to be in every aspect of our life. The here and now 
bringing his kingdom into our lives here and now in whatever aspect, day in and day out, hour by hour. So none of our life is off limits to God. We can't take a slice out and say, oh, this is, this is no longer apple, God. Sorry, you can't, have, uh, you can't have an impact here. No, he's in every aspect of our lives. The Bible is very clear about this. There is no such thing as your religion being a private matter. It affects the whole of who you are. We have been transformed inwardly. Therefore, the outcomes are his outcomes, his will, his desires for his will to be worked out through our lives in every aspect that we touch of our lives. Nothing is off limits for him. There's no such thing as your faith being a private matter. Number 23, progress over perfection. Um, I fall into the trap of oftentimes of, well, if it's not perfect, I won't do it kind of mentality, which in and of itself is a self-defeating mindset as I know there's no way I'll ever be perfect. So instead, you know, you're looking, looking backwards and tracking forward to see progress, which is actually really encouraging. Um, who I was even 10, 5, 3 years ago was not the person I am today. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I can't always, of course, see it with short-term glasses on, but over the long term, there's change. You know, and this aspect of just being perfect, we have to keep in mind that holiness is a process. The Spirit, He comes to live inside and transforms us, as the Scripture says, from glory to glory in essence, to be more like Him. So the progress is what we're after, not necessarily perfection. Now, obviously, in that conversation, we talk about the Holy Spirit. He can actually bring great leaps forward. Um, Obviously, you've probably heard of stories of uh, addicts accepting Jesus who suddenly their their desires change all in an instant. Um, Even in the last uh, five-plus years, my... My wife and I went to a marriage seminar, um, and at kind of the height and peak of some of our worst years, um, mostly due to my own baggage and some of my sin, like, um, the Holy Spirit showed up and did an amazing thing in me and just broke some stuff to where, really, moving forward, I was a different person in many aspects. So, um, again, the aim isn't isn't just perfection, it's, it's... this aspect of consistent progress forward. And if God wants to expedite it, then He can. But for our purposes, progress is the mark here, not perfection. Number 24, people over projects. Oh man, you all are in in store here. <laughs> I am a very type A person. Um, I am the epitome of a personality that is like waffles. Everything has a compartment. Everything has a place. I am about process, projects. I love checking boxes. All those things. <laughs> and for me. Um, 
the tendency is to miss the bigger picture of loving well. Uh, we actually have a little note card on a tack board in our kitchen where I put this up, people over projects, and while that sounds ridiculous, I, because I just love um, projects and process and all that, I can just lose perspective and get lost. So uh, this is a big deal, especially as a father, as a husband, um, making sure that you keep things in the right priority and the right priorities in line. And uh, this is part of loving well, paying attention to those right in front of me and not thinking about the next thing I'm going to do, the next project I'm going to do, the next thing I'm going to work on, but just stopping, pausing, looking into the eyes of those that are trying to tell me something. Put the phone down, put the to-do list down, be present, and focus on people right in front of me people over projects. Number 25, forgiveness. We're going to take a little time and dig into this. Um, C.S. Lewis observed, everyone thinks that forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. <laughs> I don't know about you. If I'm honest, deep down, I've kind of adopted the mentality that it's, when in regards to forgiveness, it's more blessed to receive than to give. But two challenges come from Scripture. Ephesians 4, 31-32, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. In Hebrews 12, 14-15, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Particularly penetrating in the Ephesians is that phrase, just as God in Christ has forgiven. And in Hebrews, the mention of a bitter root, we can learn two things here. Ultimately, we can forgive because we are forgiven. And it's good for our hearts to forgive so we don't emotionally carry toxicity. I know this is easier said than done. There's, there's probably people in your past, family members, list can go on and on of wounds that you may carry or situations um, you know part of part of growing up and maturing is is all of us dealing with those things and I've had to deal with those things myself in my life um, forgiving people in my past situations that I've had um, to go back and forgive but ultimately what I'm coming to in life is that this forgiveness is, that, is also a journey. It's not necessarily just a line we cross. Because sometimes these things, we felt like we forgave someone, but it, we still have the pain. We still feel the feel the, the stings. We have to go back. No, God, I forgive them. This situation, God, would you uh, bring forgiveness and peace back into this situation, into this memory, into this hurt? Matthew 18 is really helpful 
in this exchange between Peter and Jesus. And Peter comes up to Jesus and he says to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? I think he was referring back to some Old Testament something there. But Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. (laughs) I can just see Peter's mind like exploding. Jesus seems to know something here. He knows that it's a process. And sometimes it's easy to forgive. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's a one-shot deal. And sometimes it takes a lot of forgiveness and revisiting forgiveness. And this aspect of renewing our mind. He wants us to beware the bitter root. To embrace forgiveness, even if it's a process that takes time. And if it's seven times, if it's 77 times... It's 770 times. Hey there, and quick intermission here for 40 for 40. You know, as we talk about turning 40, you know, I don't accept the fact that I'm over the hill. Quite frankly, I still believe that the best is yet to come. So often when we talk about aging and um, getting old, there's such a negative connotation to that. And um, like somehow the good years are past. And You know, here's the deal for my life. Um, Upon reflection, so much of my 30s were so hard. Um, I was dealing a lot of personal baggage, which led into marital struggle. Um, three of my four kids were born during my 30s, growing in more responsibility and in work, and uh, just a lot of struggle and difficulty and grinding it out. And um, just in reflection and, and talking with the Lord about this, I felt like He reminded me again just about the good soil and what it takes to get soil ready and make soil good, as it takes tilling preparing the soil, amending the soil, then scattering seeds, watering, all these things that go into making the soil good and ready for this kingdom life to spring forth. And that was so much of my 30s, so much tilling, so, so much um, sowing of seed in my life. And I feel like um, my 40s, like the best is yet to come, like the things that have been done in the 30s, the groundwork that's been laid is... Um, just ready for this, these green shoots of the kingdom for fruit to come and for a harvest to spring forth and so well yeah I'm turning older turning 40 actually don't feel more than say 34 but okay fine it's 40 um, well I'm, I'm turning 40 like I'm excited best is yet to come All right, we're going to flip back over to more 40 for 40. Thanks for listening. Number 26, choosing well. Now, this really is about vision and values. Every day we're presented with a host of choices and directions to go things to do, events, people to commit to, 
ultimately, how do we decide what to do? How do we make the right choices? Decisions that need to be made in a day. Um, there's this great quote from Erwin uh, McManus. He says, We do not become fools because we lack the right information. We become fools because we love the wrong things. Now, yes, I know that we have the Bible and a set of principles therein to live by. And that is an absolute must to know and to understand. We also need to understand that there's a heart issue at play here. As Jesus reminds us, where our treasure is, our heart will be also. So what do we truly love? What do we truly want? What are we truly giving ourselves to? And in all the decisions and all the things that we, we make in a day, all the things we give ourselves to or not, our decision is directly aligned with our values. And this takes deep heart work in knowing our motives and what we're truly wrapping our lives around. Because ultimately, we, we can't make the right choice without an internal change that aligns us with the values of God. And, you know, the, the other thing I'd say regarding choosing well is, is related to vision. I love this quote from A.W. Tozer. He says, the more fascinated we become with the toys of this world, the more we forget that there's another world to come. And so what he's pointing to here is when we have a vision for something greater than ourselves and truly have kingdom perspective, it helps us to choose well, to make decisions that are aligned with God's will and kingdom values. A little more to come maybe in the next segment here. But choose well. Number 27. Short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. So here's the deal. Um, If we have the right values in mind, we'll be able to have the right perspective and make the right short-term decisions. If you stop and think about it, sin often is about sacrificing long-term benefits for short-term gains or pleasures. But when we have on kingdom perspective, we're wanting to sacrifice the short-term in order to gain the long-term benefits spiritually. This goes back to um, the first episode. We talk about sowing seeds and about tilling the ground and spiritually preparing this ground ready to receive the seeds so it can produce a harvest of kingdom abundance in our life. And so the same thing is true spiritually. Um, Why do we pray? Why do we spend time reading the scriptures? Why do we spend time listening for God's voice? Why do we confess and repent it's because these are short-term sacrifices for the long-term gain and the same is true with uh, the physical whether it's weight loss eating healthy exercising those things feel good in the moment none of those things are pleasant but again we're after a long-term benefit the the same is true with the kingdom what is the long-term goal and the long-term vision here? It's that Christ in us, the hope of glory, he is about 
um, shaping and changing us, and it's for the benefit of his body, the church. It's for the benefit of um, society to see Jesus on display so we can sacrifice the short-term in order for long-term gains. Number 28, hearing God's voice in obedience. Now, it might sound silly to say, but intimacy with God is the purpose of our lives. And so I know uh, it depends on, of course, on your faith background and where you come from. When someone says, you know, hearing God's voice, um, a faith tradition might say, well, we have the Bible and so we know what God says. And that is absolutely 100% true. Um, But the Bible is also full of examples of a God who speaks personally to people. And so as I've gone through the years and have learn to actually hear God's voice like I see in the book um, there are certain things that, that stand out and that, that, that jump out at me one is a willingness to listen um, and also just a, an approach to God that says I want to hear you would you make me whole and heal me so I can hear you Matthew 13 15 Jesus is talking and he's He's referencing an Old Testament scripture, but he says that for this people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and in turn, I would heal them. And so there's an aspect of turning to him and simply wanting him to take off our blinders. Jesus invites his disciples and he invites us to become followers of him, not just believers, but followers and so someone's doing the leading then, and we're having to listen and watch. Jesus says, the sheep know my voice. So what does that require? Part of it, especially in this day and age, is just simply to slow down and learn to listen for his voice. It might require finding some silence and some stillness and building in that margin in the day. And then actually taking the time to ask simple questions. Posture ourselves in a place of surrender. A.W. Tozer said, Most Christians don't hear God's voice because we've already decided we aren't going to do what He says. So maybe we need to first stop with our presuppositions and what we think and lay those down. Posture our, our hearts of surrender before Him to hear His gentle whisper, to hear what He might gently speak to us the still small voice and noticing how we might respond one way or another just some of those things you know in regards to obedience when we do hear God when we sense him moving us through situations or nudging us speaking to our hearts bringing things to our minds um, using scripture at the right point in time uh, to confirm things this idea of obedience you know, why, why do we require obedience from our kids? Why are we shaping and training them? We always tell our kids, look, we want you all to learn to obey mom and dad when we ask you to do something, even if you don't understand it, so that when God talks to you, when he tells you something, when he nudges you in a certain direction, even if you don't understand why, 
you'll obey. So we're training ourselves physically for the spiritual. The same is true with us as dads. One, are we willing to go where he says, and two, are we willing to posture ourselves uh, to hear his voice so we can respond in obedience. Twenty-nine stages of early parenting. I've said this uh, different times on podcasts with guests and referred to it, but I want to unpack these a little bit more. You know, I think in parenting, if we don't understand some of the stages that we're going to go through, um, we're not understanding the purpose and what we need to be doing as parents. And just along the way, I've found these things to be really helpful. Um, and I want to just talk through these for a minute. Um, there's kind of, when the kids are in the house, there's really kind of these three stages of zero to six being early years, uh, seven to 11 being like some building years, and 12 to 18 being launch prep. I'll unpack those things here. You know, zero to six, the early years. This is really just building a foundation of trust. If a parent is away from the home a lot during these years, like there's this absence that's created in, in the child, for instance, versus being more available, being more present when you are home being present. Um, kids, even emotionally, are super intuitive, and they know if like our mom and dad are having a hard time in their marriage, like they can sense those things. Um, you know, what happens in your life affects what happens in their life. And so, um, you know, these early years of zero to six, just building this foundation of trust, being available to them. Um, letting them know that, yeah, dad loves me. He's for me. He's near. He likes to wrestle with me. He likes to, to play. You know, those, that zero to six stage is critical in laying this foundation of trust that they know what to expect, that dad's even and he's loving and he cares for me. The kids can pick up on it for sure. Uh, the 7 to 11 year old years of really, it's a time of building and building relationship. Um, of not only leapfrogging off of this trust and continuing that trust, but then also like, you know, having these insider jokes together, finding interest in the things that the kids are interested in and partnering with that in them, not shaming them in those in things. It's, um, it's super important just to like, again, be present with them and then know that they have your attention. And I, I'll be the first to admit, I, I'm easily distracted, um, and there are, are times when um, they don't have my full attention. But overall, the progress that's being made, like the kids know I love them, and they value the time, and they look forward to the time, the relational time, and building that to where they trust and value a relationship with you even more than their peers. And then the 12 through 18 years, and this is the launch prep for them to be out of the house. So, you know, again, building on trust, relationship, um, really sets the stage for them to trust you as they go through this last stage of developing character, continuing to, you know, encourage and equip them in their life with God and be ready um, for what will face them in the world outside. You know, I, we had some mentors in our community years ago that they, they I thought they, 
they did a great job of painting this picture. There's really two aspects of child rearing for the kids while they're in a home. It's to give them roots and wings. Roots meaning a sense of belonging, a sense of home, a sense of home in Christ and in your family, and being rooted and grounded in Christ. That's the aspect of giving them roots. And then the second aspect of wings, giving them the ability to do life with Jesus on their own, to be able to stand on their own two feet as, as an individual intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, be wholly dependent on Jesus as they do begin to do life outside of your house, roots and wings. These are all just um, stages and, and aspects as we go through our raising our kids, building a foundation, continuing in a relationship, preparing them uh, for a life with Jesus and family and career and all the things that are to come. also kind of just bubbled up. So Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, I think when we read that and hear that, most of us probably have a general idea of what the training and the instruction aspect of fatherhood is like. Um, but I for myself, I always struggled with, but what does that mean, exasperate your children? What does that mean? Um, simply put, it, you could say uh, it's to infuriate or to irritate. Um, I've made plenty of mistakes uh, as a dad in the trenches, so uh, speaking from personal experience, there are two surefire ways of getting your kids exasperated with you. <laughs> one is command, two is control, so one command uh, this goes into arrogant pride. This goes into all the things we've talked about in previous episodes as well. But the command is demanding your way and always being right. Never apologizing when you mess up. Um, but of course, our kids, no one likes a bossy, arrogant, hypocritical, know-it-all um, dad. Number two, control. This is just expecting perfection from your household. And even shaming them when they don't measure up but you know what kids can't handle the weight of impossible standards and they're not meant to so whether we realize it or not we as dads are training and instructing for the good or the bad we're modeling father god to our kids we're showing kids what god's like so lord jesus give us humility over pride Help us loose the grips of control and demanding our own way. Help us to see our kids for who they are as kids and how to love them well, even in that. Father, strip command and control from us. up this episode of 40 for 40 we've done items 21 through 30 of lessons learned in the trenches 40 lessons by the age of 40 
Uh, If you've been following along, God bless you. (laughs) This feels like a marathon in some regards. feels like a marathon as I'm recording it, but uh, I hope these bite-sized chunks are encouraging to you and the Lord's meeting you in there. Uh, I would love to hear from you. Feel free to comment on Instagram of something that you've enjoyed, something that stuck out to you or that you've experienced. Uh, Direct message me on Instagram at dadinthetrenches or uh, also feel free. You can always drop me a note at hello at dadinthetrenches.com. All right, God bless, and I will talk to you all on the next episode where we wrap up 40 for 40. Have a great day.